All right, what's up, everyone? It's Zach, and today I'm here with a very special guest. I'm here with Richard Lee Tai. Richard, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. It's a pleasure to be on your show. Thank you so much um, for coming on. It's a pleasure to have you, and it's an honor, and I'm super excited for our conversation today. Mm-hmm. So Richard is honestly, in my opinion, probably one of the most perfect ideal guests that I can have on this podcast. And the reason behind that is because he's a very passionate individual. And his passion is actually about connecting with others. So, you know, passions and just that connection piece are two huge things for my podcast, of course. So, uh, you know, it's really, really cool that Richard has the same passions in the background. So um, for those of you who do not know Richard yet, he is a TEDx speaker and he is the founder of his business called Excuses to Connect. And he is also part of that business, a connection coach. So helping individuals connect, um, similar to how him and I are connecting today for actually the the first time um in essence other than just kind of like small talk here and there but um yeah that's a little bit about richard uh do you mind kind of going a little bit bit more in depth about your background who you are the things you're up to all that good stuff yeah for sure well first of all i'm flattered by your introduction (laughs) of me as the perfect idea (laughs) (laughs) of course Yes. Uh, yeah, I think what you gave was a great description of what I've been up to for the past few months, I would say. But it's like, how, how did I get into this whole connection thing anyway? Why am I passionate yeah. about this? Because it's not like I just woke up as a child. of like, oh, my dream is to be a connector. It wasn't like <laughs> that. So how this sort of came about was gradually um, and through self-reflection. So one of the exercises I did, I, I learned this from a book called Grit. Uh, The Power of Passion and Perseverance. It's by Angela Duckworth. And there's an exercise in there where she describes how we have different levels of goals in our life because there's like uh, low-level goals, mid-level goals, and high-level goals where it's like I'm doing X to get Y and then I'm doing Y to get Z and and so, so on and so forth. But what's at that top of that hierarchy? What's something that you just do just for the sake of it? And so when I did that exercise and kept asking myself just like why and why and why, I realized at the very top that one line statement for me of my purpose is um, I create meaningful connections on the service of others. I came to that statement because I realized that's been the common thread anyway of all the extracurriculars and academic things I've done because I've done stuff like volunteering or being part of clubs. I was always very attracted to these positions where I could make connections and find a sense of community. And so that purpose is my driving force for everything I do. And so it's sort of just more recently expressed itself in this business of excuses to connect and doing a TEDx talk. But even prior to that, I was doing many things related to connection. And so that's that's like a brief overview of how I've gone to where I am. Awesome. Now, you know, Richard, it's it's interesting because hearing you explain that a little bit, you mentioned that you've been involved with extracurriculars that involve, mm-hmm. you know, connecting with people or working with others or volunteer work. So that kind of led me to think that maybe you're more on the extroverted side of, of the spectrum. Would you say that that's accurate? Ah, I that's an interesting observation. <laughs> okay. Um, I would say no. I actually Mm. identify as introverted because when it comes down to it, my distinction I make between introversion and extroversion is how people use and regain their energy. So for me as an introvert, I use up energy in social situations and I find I need alone time to be able to recharge. Whereas for extroverts, they get a lot of their energy by being around others. A few Mm -hmm. other qualifying statements I can make as well. As an introvert, I prefer interacting with people one-to-one or in small groups rather than being Mm. uh, in a large group. Like, I'm not the life of the party. I I don't (laughs) like being... I don't crave being the center of attention. Whereas for extroverts, they they might uh, be more inclined towards that. So even though I enjoy connecting with people and I do seek out these opportunities and activities where I can connect with people... um, I still identify as an introvert. It doesn't mean I'm shy. It means mm-hmm. I like I'm still confident with socializing with people, but I find mm-hmm. that I need that alone time to recharge. So, yeah, that's how I would approach it. Because I, the thing is, like, connection is a fundamental need, regardless of you're introverted or extroverted. Right. You might have like differing levels of how much 
interaction you might be wanting in a day-to-day basis, but it's still fundamental for our well-being and we, we desire right. it. Yeah. Yeah. So I actually love what you just said there, Richard. I think that that was a great explanation. And it's really cool because, you know, in, in my personal life, I have conversations with people and they say, like, it's, it's so hard for me to connect with others or I just, I don't mm-hmm. like connecting with others because I am an introvert. But I think like you explained, like you don't have to, just because you are extroverted or introverted, it doesn't necessarily make it easier or harder per se. Yeah. It's just, you know, something that it can happen either way. It just might be, what does that connection look like? Like you said, so like Richard, for you, that might be a one-on-one interaction and that's your mm-hmm. form of connection. Whereas maybe I would say I'm more of an extrovert. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe m- me making connections with others is getting together with 20 people and doing some like team building exercise or something, you know? So yeah. yeah, I think it's really important to anyone listening to know that even if you would identify as an introvert, um, you know, that doesn't, have to intimidate you when it comes to the idea of connecting with others because you can still do it on that kind of intimate one-on-one level or small group or you know just have that kind of like space to also have time to re-energize yourself and and not have to burn yourself out if you will yeah i want to add more to this as well because i am passionate about this idea of introverts connecting because i am okay. an introvert. yeah so another book recommendation or a ted talk for people to check out there's this uh author and researcher her name's susan king and her okay. focus of her work is all about introversion mm-hmm. and so she wrote a book called quiet and the subtitle of it yeah. is the power of introverts in a world that can't stop talking <laughs> and so it's not like an anti-extrovert book but she does sure. emphasize this element of society tends to value extroversion. It's like how our systems and education is designed. Like we value the people like that put their hands up and like speaks in front of the whole class and answers Mm -hmm. these questions or these charismatic public speakers and so on. But like, where's the room and where's the space for introverts? Cause they have their own strengths as well. Right. If anything, perhaps introverts can connect better because they're better Mm. listeners and they tend to be more empathetic in that sense where instead of wanting to speak the whole time, they're okay with listening. (laughs) If I were to describe my communication style in general, um, I'm much more of a listener than a talker. (laughs) Um, And so that's why stuff like podcasting appeals to me because I just hold space and I listen and I give other people a platform for them to express themselves. And I find that rewarding just to be able to listen. (laughs) If I were to put into percentage, it it might be even the case that like 80% of the time I'm listening and I'm only speaking 20% of the time. And that's from my introverted Hmm. tendencies. Okay. So it's, yeah, different dynamics of conversation and communication yeah. I think comes into play as well based on your personality. Definitely, definitely true. And um, I do want to just, I guess, interject, if you will, and uh, yeah, let yeah. everyone know that I, I forgot to mention in the introduction, but um, Richard is also a fellow podcaster. So um, yes, <laughs> yes he, he also has his own podcast. So um, it's also very cool to connect with the podcaster. And it's cool to kind of flip the script on him a bit and have him mm-hmm. on the other side of the microphone. So yeah, just wanted to mention yeah. that, um, yeah. that Richard does have a podcast of his own. But um, yeah, you know, like you were saying, I think it's it's really interesting and something that I've actually... I guess been like critiqued on if critiques the right word um, Mm. is people will say to me like you're extroverted but when I notice we're doing like a group project whether it's academically or professionally you just Mm. like sit in the corner and don't say anything and I'm Mm. like yeah I mean I because I want to observe it like I don't right even though like I have a background in leadership and I like to for better or worse become the leader of situations uh, yeah I think it's like that like I have that extroverted personality, like I will raise my hand and answer questions like you mentioned. But at the same time, I like to kind of have that introverted, just like observe. And I'd rather listen because I think Mm -hmm. the thing that I've learned, especially as I've gotten older is the less we talk and the more we listen, the more we will actually learn and gain from any situation, whether it's like directions that we're being given or just like a conversation with someone else. Like when you just sit back and can listen, just so much more comes out. I, I agree. Okay, I'm going to ask you a question. Yeah, of course. <laughs> so you brought up the scenario where, uh, or you, you brought up the phrase of like, then you stepped up to be a leader. Or mm-hmm. what does leadership mean to you then? Or what does that look Ooh. like to you? Yeah, so <laughs> I, will, I will say you're asking someone who uh, 
did their undergrad and is finishing their master's in leadership. So mm -hmm. I won't bore you with the theoretical approaches. But <laughs> um, So what does leadership mean to me? So essentially what I was kind of referring to in that sentiment was, um, you know, I think a good example right now is in, in my uh, graduate program, I'm in a class where we're doing a group project. And mm -hmm. to me, it's kind of four individuals coming together and one person usually will become like that emergent leader, if you will. So the person that kind of mm -hmm. steps up and says like, hey team, like how are we going to organize it? How are we going to sign roles X, Y, Z? So I think for me, what I was kind of referring to is that in those situations, I, I kind of thrive on just like the type A personality and the type A stress personality that I have where mm -hmm. I want to, like most humans want to have some sense of control. So like I'll find myself saying like, you know, if we're meeting for the first time as a group for a project, it might be a lot of small talk. Oh, what classes have you taken? How are you liking class so far? Right. Whereas I, I definitely want to have that because I think building that rapport is important. But then mm -hmm. I also tend to be the first person that's like, all right, team, like, so we're all here. We're all feeling good about the projects. Mm -hmm. Let's divide the roles up now. Here's like the first part of the project. Who wants to do that part? And kind of like the mm -hmm. initiator role. So leadership, since I would say, is, is someone that is willing to kind of initiate the conversation or create a plan for achieving the goals that the group shares. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So I'll provide my perspective on leadership because yeah. I also identify as a leader as well, but I would yeah. use terms like I'm a quiet leader, which might sound yes. paradoxical, but it's in that sense of what you're describing as well, where yeah. I don't feel the need or, to dominate the conversation sure i support more from like the behind the scenes and from yeah. a very collaborative approach of wanting to hear everyone's input and then um combining it in a way that we mm -hmm. work or together it's not like saying this is my plan right you all have to follow it right <laughs> it's not from that like i guess authoritative approach yeah. um i think other cons uh, aspects of being a good leader as well as like having vision it's it's mm -hmm. like being able to think outside of the box and think yeah. of possibilities and think long term yeah. um other thing too that came up was like adaptable leadership in the sense like sure. at different stages of the project or your group development it mm -hmm. might require a different leadership or communication style 100 um, because if if there's lots of conflict going on <laughs> in your team, yeah. uh, you need to resolve that from like an interpersonal, like empathetic mm -hmm. way of communicating yeah. before you get onto like more task oriented, like, like get that done sort of thing. So yeah, that's the way I sort of view leadership as well. So yeah, yeah, I love that. Yeah, it, it's it's really cool. And Richard, you brought up so many good points that like, you know, I think that maybe societally or just based on media or whatever when we think of a leader like there's this one kind of this is what a leader looks like yeah. kind of image pressed into our minds where as you just elaborated on there's there's so many different ways different ways to lead and there's not one that's better or worse you know it's it's all dependent on the individual and how they like to lead or feel most comfortable doing so and the situation itself so you know i think that that's Another thing that uh, I think both of us can encourage anyone listening, um, yep, you know, definitely. find your own leadership style and don't think you have to be, you know, X, Y, Z example that you see in the movie. And that's like the, you know, the captain of the football team is the only way to be a leader or something. Um, exactly. I yeah. Agree. I think awesome. leader, there's some definition. I, I, I think this is becoming evident. I'm a, yeah. very much a book reader. Yeah. So, I love it. Um, Another author I'm a big fan of is Brene Brown. So she does a lot of Fantastic. research around shame and vulnerability and worthiness. And yep. I'm trying to remember because she wrote a book as well called Dare to Lead. And there's a definition yep. of leadership in there. I don't remember word for word, but it's along the lines of like just anyone that has the power to influence others. So whether on a small or large scale, because even like community leaders, like if you're you organize events for your neighborhood or like these get togethers, mm -hmm. I also view that as leadership. It's not just yeah. like in a corporate sense. <laughs> Yes, yeah. 100%. And I, I'm a huge Brene Brown fan myself. Um, I'm totally drawing a blank on what the, uh, I can't remember if it was a book or if it was a talk, but um, as a perfectionist, it was like yeah. myself, it was something about like being a perfectionist and how it's uh -huh. like, you just have to watch that and learn from it and everything. And that that was like one thing that I Again, I can't remember the modality of it, but I remember I listened to it. Um, mm -hmm. So it could have been an audiobook or, or 
presentation, but um, it really had a profound impact on me and just like challenging like the perfectional perfectionist tendencies that I have or just, yeah, you know, bringing awareness <laughs> to it. <laughs> I also had that revelation. As yeah. Well. Um, the first piece of content I um, got from Brene Brown was reading her book, Daring Greatly. Mm-hmm. And in there she talked about basically these different armors or like coping mechanisms we have for shame. Mm -hmm. And one of the common ones is perfectionism. And so when I was reading her description of it, I'm like, oh my God, Brene, you're calling me out. (laughs) (laughs) These are all these thoughts that I've always had, but I've never seen it articulated on paper. Basically uh, for listeners that are unaware, haven't read her work or are unfamiliar with this, what she says is perfectionism really is just this, self-destructive belief Mm -hmm. that if you're perfect enough that you won't feel blamed or judged or this feeling of shame right and the reason it's self-destructive is because well one people can't actually be perfect (laughs) there's no such thing of that and two it's like then you're like in the cycle of just blaming yourself where like Mm -hmm. oh if i didn't perform well enough then you just blame it on yourself like oh i wasn't good enough i wasn't perfect enough and i just need to work harder right um and this also like being very tied with external validation instead yeah. of finding internal self-worth so that's something i had to unlearn as well because i feel like yeah. i internalized it through my upbringing mm-hmm. <laughs> of like oh if i achieve high grades then i'll receive praise and so right. i think that got linked in my head but even even though i was achieving a lot of things and i would feel a temporary sense of fulfillment it's only temporary then like yeah. my mind's like oh what's the next thing i need to do <laughs> and so on so i i've learned to unlearn that yeah. so that i i can feel like i have like that i am already good enough without needing external validation but still re- maintaining that aspect of working hard because i do see that as one of my strengths so it's it's been a journey <laughs> yeah no it sounds like it and i i'm definitely with you on that richard i that's a journey that i've been on and i'm still on where you know i think it, it's it's weird and maybe you can resonate with it a little bit um you know i have accomplished things in my life and you know i would say they're substantial things or things that mm-hmm. you know get deserve praise and maybe externally people are like oh you've done this this and that like that's so cool but internally i'm like okay like i haven't done enough like i need to do something more i need to keep on like upgrading or you know going farther i guess if that makes sense or you know going above and beyond even more so i think that Mm -hmm. that comes with that like external validation piece that you mentioned where it's like people are like oh you're great like you accomplished this and you're like yep i did like that's very great but it's a temporary feeling of accomplishment yeah and you're just kind of like continuing to chase after it whereas when you can switch and have more of that internal validation that you you don't need to keep saying i need to achieve xyz get you know good grades all the yeah. time for yeah. that temporary dopamine release if you will like it needs to come internally yeah for sure there's a line in her book that says um it's along the lines of the simplest and hardest thing is just shifting this belief of Mm -hmm. I am not enough to I am enough. Yeah. (laughs) It's as simple as that. Just believing it, but like shifting that belief takes time. It does. And yeah, certainly for me, even though I've done a lot of that self-work, there's times too where self-doubt or Mm -hmm. the the big thing too, is like comparison to others. It's like, Oh, these people seem more successful than I am or more happy than I am. And so I find my like, there's that comparison <laughs> there that then makes me feel like I'm not enough yet. Right. But trying, yeah, trying to dis- disconnect myself from that. Cause I sometimes get that too. It's interesting. Cause um, I've also been the recipient of like praise of them saying like, Oh, Richard, it looks like you're so successful. You're doing all mm-hmm. these things. And I'm just like, I'm a normal dude. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> like, yes, I've done a Ted talk. I do. I've started my own business. I do these all sort of things. Yeah. But I think what it fundamentally gets at is I don't want people to compare themselves to me either. Right. Um, one of the fundamental things I've learned or for my worldview about human connection is I try to see people as equals. Mm-hmm. It's not that I'm better than someone or someone's worse than me. Um, it's just that we're different and we've had different life circumstances and accumulated experiences Mm -hmm. but once i start viewing people from this like position of like um 
that they're better than me or they're worse than me that actually puts a block or barrier to connecting because say for example i i come across some person and they're like a ceo of this company they have this long list of achievements and all that then my mind goes to oh my gosh they're so inaccessible there's no way i'm ever going to be able Mm. to talk with them right there's that that huge perceived distance but if i instead shift my mindset of thinking they're a human too (laughs) and all humans um want to be seen and heard and valued and all humans struggle with self-doubt or or other struggles that you might not see Mm -hmm. and and so so on right if i approach it from that lens then i it doesn't matter what their list of achievements are like at the end of the day they're still human and so i can connect with them on that level and so that's why i'm also hesitant in terms of like when people like praise me of like oh richard you've done all those things like okay i don't want there to be that barrier or distance that's being created there um of somehow like i'm better than them and like i don't want to talk with them or whatever if that's not the case because there's a difference between what we do and who we are i think we connect with who we are like sure like my list will continue growing of my resume Mm -hmm. and what i do but like fundamentally i'm something more than just what i do exactly yeah and i think that the thing that i've had extensive conversations with you know or sorry conversations about with people kind of like in my kind of age range and people Mm -hmm. you know in college and stuff is that this idea that we're kind of shifting the belief from we don't have to be what we do so like a lot of people identify themselves as what they do like i am a cook i am a doctor and it's not bad to take pride in what you do or have that being a big part of your life but we don't have to be defined by our work or what we've accomplished or maybe not have accomplished. I think that, like you said, we're, you are Richard, I am Zach. It doesn't matter what I have done or you have done. At the end of the day, we're, we're humans. And although we might have a list of things that we've done or things that we want to accomplish, we're much more beyond that. And, um, you know, I think like you said, breaking down those kind of barriers and just seeing people for who they are and, and for, seeing them as humans. And I think it it made me think of the idea of that we're all very different, but the same at the, at the same time, if that makes sense. Yes, I agree. Yeah. This aspect of doing versus being, Mm because there's this quote I love to, it's like, we're human beings, not human doings. Yeah. (laughs) It's yeah. It's like, we're not just defined by our work or our productivity. Mm -hmm. There's more to us than that. And yeah, I, I love to connect with people on that level. Um, and that aspect of what you're saying, like there's these differences and similarities. I'm a big fan of this project called Humans of New York. Yeah. And basically the premise of that is like this photographer went out to the streets of New York and interviewed strangers and shared mm-hmm. their stories online. Yep. And he has millions of followers now and that idea has spread all around the world of different like humans of Toronto or humans of Calgary, like whatever yeah. location. Um, and... I think why it resonates so much with people is it's exactly that it gives them in this candid window into these other mm-hmm. people's lives of like both seeing like how different it is, but like these similarities too, and like this common human experience and struggles that we have. So I love yeah. it. I, I started a similar project actually. That's what my, I was going to say. Yeah. At my university called humans of ULF for university of Lethbridge where I interviewed students and professors and staff and I got that firsthand experience of as well of like people just have all everyone has their own story and it's yeah. it's very um rewarding and I feel like a deep connection is formed when you get to know someone's story. 100%. Yeah, I love it and you know I'm a big fan of Humans of New York and um honestly I mean like those kind of projects have have been some of the inspiration behind this podcast um Mm -hmm. kind of like the origin story of just really me just connecting with with friends or just people that I'm recently meeting and like wow this person has a really cool story they're really passionate about this I would have never realized they're passionate about cooking unless you know I had this conversation with them so it was just kind of like seeing the humanness of humans and being able to kind of like create that platform for people to share their experiences and the human experience of like your passion doesn't have to be what you do to pay the bills. It doesn't have to be what 
you know, is quote unquote popular or, you know, whatever, like it can be whatever you want. And I think that's the beautiful thing about people is that everyone's unique. And I always say that you can learn so much from any person, any situation, you just have to be open to learning from it. And I think that that's one of my favorite parts about connecting with people, um, just how much you can learn just about them, yeah. about yourself, about the world, about views, whatever. So um, mm-hmm. it, it's that's why I think it's, it's so cool that you are in that kind of connection space and you have excuses to connect and your connection coach and everything. Um, it, I think that sometimes we forget the value of connecting these days. Yeah, I, I've heard that too. Definitely, I mean, the past two years, it's mm-hmm. been a weird time in the yeah. world. Sure. Um, and so, I, myself included, um, like our our social networks have been disrupted because we yeah. haven't had these opportunities as we did before of um, interacting in person and all right. these things shifted online. And some maybe we lost touch with people and connected mm-hmm. with new friends and shifted communities. So I think there's been a lot of that flux. Yeah. And one thing I've heard as well um, from people is like that they feel like their social skills are rusty. It's like, yeah. I, I haven't met new people in so yeah. long. How do I actually socialize? <laughs> Which yeah. I think is a fair concern because it's just recognizing that that's normal considering mm-hmm. the circumstances and you don't have to um, beat yourself up about it. Um, but right. the other point I was going to make too, it's like, it's social skills. It's a muscle that you can actually exercise and strengthen. Yeah. It, 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 you're not in a permanent state of like, oh, I'm socially awkward <laughs> and I'll always be like that. that no, that's right. not true. It's like, you can actually develop skills, um, which does require courage and vulnerability, but like being able to connect with others is a skill that you can develop. So that's a point that I really try to emphasize through my work as well. I love that. And I, I love the idea that, like you said, social skills. I mean, it's it's in kind of like the, the wording of itself, but I think it's things that people just think, oh, this person inherently knows how to talk to others or, you know, whatever. But yeah. they are skills that we have to sharpen and hone and practice and everything. I mean, just like learning an instrument or playing mm-hmm. a sport or whatever, you have to practice those to, to get confidence and to improve upon them and I, I think that definitely people um myself included probably would say that they they do feel a little rusty um from a lack of, of using those skills over the last couple of years yeah. so you know Richard my, my question for you is like how do you think that I guess moving forward and you know in the world some places might be a little different with how um the pandemic's going right now but moving forward how do you think this kind of time that we're going through is going to impact our ability with, uh, to connect with people or just like connections in general? Yeah. I wish I could read into the future. <laughs> yeah. I, I wish you could too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it's gonna, cause I want to pre- like present as nuanced of a view as possible. Cause I don't sure. think it's just a black and white thing. Cause exactly. Like it, people have experienced the pandemic differently. Like, I guess I'll just start with yeah. stating that. <laughs> that that statement because people have been disproportionately affected like based on like different varying levels of like privilege that you have sure like some people lost their jobs and like are put in a very precarious situation and, mm-hmm. and so on so i i just want to be mindful of that as well yeah. but in terms of connections <clears throat> i don't know it's interesting because on one hand i sort of see like is the world becoming more divisive and like yeah like there's so much more um, confrontational us versus them mentality, or are mm-hmm. we becoming more united and empathetic? Right. So it's interesting because I mean, there's lots of sensitive political health policy, various issues that like people have very strong opinions about. And yeah. then it's pit, it, instead of seeing each other as humans, it's more seen as like they're the enemy mm-hmm. <laughs> and we're in the right. So it's, it's interesting because there's those divides there as well. So I guess my, what am I trying to say? <laughs> I feel like I'm just sort of rambling. No, you're good. I guess what I would emphasize to listeners is like um, everyone has their own individual responsibility um, and ability to make connections mm-hmm. and um, treat people with compassion and empathy um, and like do the work if you want of like trying to bridge these gaps and differences that mm-hmm. you think people might have because similarly to what i was saying before is like 
you're more than what you do. Yeah. And I also think like you're more than just certain labels you put on that you might identify with as well. Like mm-hmm. say someone identifies like, oh, I'm a liberal or I'm a conservative or I believe yep. this or I believe that. Like, yes, that's part of who that person is, but it's not who they are completely. Right. And I think it's just too easy to generalize by saying like, oh, this person is behaves this way because they believe what they associate with this political party. That's just too easy of a generalization and it doesn't actually fully capture the humanness and holistic of that person and so i guess i mean i'm still working on it too yeah (laughs) certainly there's there's um people i interact with that like i disagree with them but how can i still connect with them on a human to human level despite those differences and trying to understand their perspective and approach it with empathy because yeah it's a weird time again i don't know if like we're becoming increasingly divisive or like increasingly united but i think individuals have their own power and responsibility to influence that in their sphere of people they interact with. Richard, I might, uh, I might revoke what I said, and maybe you can see into the future. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because I was actually, one of the questions I was going to ask you as you started that explanation yeah. was kind of like, I want to give you a scenario, mm-hmm. you know, Joe has X, Y, Z beliefs and, you know, politically or or socially whatever and john has you know the opposite yeah how can they how can they connect and you you pretty much addressed it um so i I do think you can see into the future at least maybe like a couple (laughs) minutes into the future um but no i I think what you said is is spot on that you know just because we have different views or opinions on whatever i mean it could be politics it could be social um social justice i mean it could even be like sports or something like oh i'm a big you know this yep. team fan and I, I don't want to get along with anyone that's on the rivals yep. team or whatever, but just knowing that like there is that human behind their beliefs or their thoughts, or it doesn't mm-hmm. make up that whole person. And I think like you said, just having like empathy and understanding. And I, I think one of the most valuable things we can do is have that openness to connect with people that maybe have different thoughts or opinions than we do, because I mm-hmm. think it helps us become more well-rounded in, in our beliefs or our kind of thought processes. Yeah, definitely. Um, another book recommendation. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's this uh, book called Think Again by Adam Grant, which okay. talks on this topic of like changing our deeply held beliefs. Because really, mm-hmm. it's flimsy to start with. Like, why do we believe the things we believe? If we really yeah. like dove into it, it's like, <laughs> it's just like most of the time, it's like just a product of our upbringing and what the people around us are saying. Right. And it's interesting because Adam Grant also talks about this in his research about sports teams, because it's a seemingly very arbitrary things, but people are very fanatical or can be (laughs) uh, around sports teams. Like, Oh, I I identify with this sports team and the other people are like these lists of traits of how the other group is like, sure. But it's like, actually, they believe quite similar things. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just how, like, what Adam is trying to emphasize is just to think again. Like, rethink your your deeply held beliefs. Because that's one of the steps towards actually bridging this gap of uh, this divide. Because if I just put myself in my shoe, in another person's shoes, like, okay, if I grew up in their environment, mm-hmm. would I, I would have had the same beliefs as well right (laughs) so or if someone grew up in my environment then they would have grown up with my beliefs and so just seeing from that perspective it's not necessarily right or wrong right um yeah it's (laughs) um there's another podcaster actually i had on my show his name is Corey Nathan, and he runs a podcast called Talking Politics and Religion Without Killing Each Other. Okay. I love I love the name. Yeah, I love that. And so I was asking Corey about like, well, how do you how do you do that? Yeah. And he gave lots of wonderful tips. So one I that stood out to me, he calls it feel felt found. Yeah. And so what he means by that is <clears throat> forcing him forcing himself to say, like, I understand how you feel. Mm-hmm. I would have felt the same way if I was in your situation. And then just sort of walking through that mental process of like really embodying and being in their shoes um, and seeing where they, what they found from that, like being in their shoes yeah, and really understanding that other person's perspective before like mm-hmm. you've earned the right to offer your own 
So I yeah. think that type of exercise is helpful as well because it's really easy to just stereotype and jump into mm -hmm. conclusions, but it takes more effort to actually reevaluate yeah. my own views as well. Cause of course yes. I have my own biases. Exactly. Yeah. yeah I, I think that's fantastic. And it's funny because I, I'm actually really familiar with the feel felt found um, uh, ideology. Uh, it's, it's pretty big in psychology. So uh, um, cool. like that's what I did my undergrad in. So yeah. Uh, yeah, it's something that we we've certainly covered a lot in, in my academics and um, just practice that kind of skill. So I, I've implemented that in my life and I can totally attest to um, that, that it, it can be really, um, good for us to do it and kind of reevaluate for sure. Um, yeah. But Richard, I, I am curious now. So we, you know, I, I won't even say this has to be related to the last couple of years in terms of how the world has shifted a bit, but just, I guess, more as a general statement, what are your thoughts on technology when it comes to connecting? Um, mm. You know, even before, you know, the pandemic and, and whatnot, I feel like some people would say that, you know, we just text now. There's there's no real connection. There's no human connection. We're not getting together in person. We're, you right. know, just doing this all, all electronically now. Do you think that technology is good for connecting? Do you think it's hindering us from connecting? What are your thoughts on that? Hmm. Okay. So going back to what I said before <laughs> yeah. of like, I, I try to see things from as much of a nuanced view as sure. I can. Because in this scenario, if I just simply label technology as good or yeah. technology is bad that's way too simplistic sure just yeah. the way i think of it, it's like it's a tool yeah and it has both good and bad aspects mm. and it's sort of dependent on the user okay okay i was about to go down this whole tangent to obviously the designer has some biases too but let's <laughs> just talk from the user perspective because uh, and to talk in more practical terms yes yeah. i think in some ways yes um like technology and social media has created more divides yeah because i mean i've experienced it myself where like social media can be negative for my mental health because it's sort of um, sparks all this comparison all the time of like, oh, this yeah. person has more likes or more followers. And then I'm very attached to those metrics of trying mm -hmm. to make myself like feel like I'm good enough because <laughs> right. I, I have all these comments and viewers and so on. So certainly I think that's been an aspect that perhaps has made our connections more difficult. Yeah. But on the other side too, I, I've also seen... Um, since the pandemic that I've connected with people online all around the world that yeah. I've never done before. Like before the pandemic, I was in the mindset of I'm only limited to connecting with people geographically, like within my own city or my own school. Yeah. I never thought of going to online events or having online calls with people. Um, but since then um, I connect I, I know people all around the world. Like yeah. we would not be having this conversation if exactly. it's not for technology. Exactly. And so I think there's that aspect of it too, that it can be this great tool for connection. And I do think um, deeper connection does come from like having face-to-face -face, um, conversations where you can okay. really get to know that person and their story, yeah. which might not happen as like just through texting right. but i do i do see social media and testing te texting as like the gateway it's your first yeah. step because like there's people um whose work i have really like they do work within connection and i'm very interested i just send them a dm i'm like i've seen all these cool things you're doing i'd love to be able to chat so the chat is just like the first step in the door to building that deeper connection yeah um so i think technology really helps to facilitate that and if I can give a good example of how technology can give or facilitate connection, there's this platform yeah. called Lunch Club, which I discovered during the pandemic. It's okay. lunchclub.com. And what it does is it pairs people up with similar interests just for casual like coffee chatting. Mm -hmm. And I've had very positive experiences on that platform. The algorithm does a really good job of connecting people with similar interests. So I've like connected with other coaches or public speakers or entrepreneurs awesome. and so on. And it's great because everyone on there has the intention to just connect it's not about me selling them something or right. trying to sell me something it's just like just want to chat yeah. <laughs> and so i think that's a good example of like technology has uh 
help reduce all those barriers and just created that excuse to connect that yeah. can, the environment there for people to connect with one another. Actually, one of the calls I, I had, which I, I bring up quite a lot, is like I joined the call and the lady introduces herself. She's like, I'm the I'm a vice president at Adidas. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, where else would I be talking to you right now? That's crazy. Yeah. So, I mean, I was a bit of, I mean, a bit like awestruck for a little bit, but I, right. again, I realized just circling back to what I said before, they're just human. It's yeah. just like, it doesn't matter what their title is. So I had a great chat with her and afterwards she connected me with other people too. It's like, oh, Richard, I think you'd love to chat with this person. So I'll make an introduction for you. So I love that. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. yeah I think <laughs> no, I was just going to say, yeah, I think it's, you know, really cool how technology can enhance, uh, potentially enhance our, our ability to connect. And mm -hmm. it, it's funny how, like you said, I think we had these kind of like preconceived notions two years ago about like, oh, I, I, I can't just like hop on a call with people all over the world. Like, you know, I have to go in yeah. person to meet people. And then just seeing that how crazy technology has. I just, I guess, developed in advance that it gives us so many more opportunities and platforms to connect with people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's a changing world. Yes, it is and, indeed. Yeah, I well, I, I think it's just much more normalized to go on online calls and events too. I'm sure there used yeah. to be online events in the past, but like not as frequently um, as there have been nowadays sure it's interesting because for example some other communities i joined during the pandemic um i'm part of toastmasters mm, which is okay. an uh, international organization to help people with their public speaking and leadership skills yeah and the club that i'm a part of uh used to be in person and then switched to zoom okay and now we're deciding just to be permanently on zoom <laughs> nice. um, okay. which is interesting because some people might have the mindset that oh, in-person is inherently better. And that's what right. we're just waiting to return back to. Right. But that's not the case because there's some inherent advantages with being online as well. Because for example, uh, the club had international members like from all around the world. Yeah. And they're able to join in and participate because it's online. It's not just limited to like, we need to physically go to a building to have our meeting. Right, So exactly. Yeah, yeah I think it's that accessibility piece that is really nice about technology. Mm -hmm. so technology will continue growing and yep. we'll see where it takes us i know like facebook and like metaverse and what <laughs> anyway we'll we'll see where where the world leads but yes. at, at the end of the day i see it as a tool and like the user you can choose how to use it utilize it yeah i, I think that that's a really great way to look at it and I, I really appreciate your kind of nuanced approach to some of these questions because i think that so often we do kind of make things more black and white and you know what you said with technology and have that having that as a tool for connecting and communication i think that that's like the the common thing people say about like a hammer it can be a tool or it can be a weapon it depends on the, mm. the user how you use it and i think that similarly technology it can be used as a great tool um yeah. to successfully facilitate connections or it can maybe not be a good tool depending on how it's used so i think that, that was a, a really good kind of high level way to, to break things down so i appreciate you um sharing your perspective on that for sure um so you know richard to to someone that's listening right now let's say we have a listener who is really really enjoying this conversation and they're like I, i'm so motivated to go connect with people i really want to connect richard really taught me the importance of connecting but I don't know where to start. I don't know how to do it. I, I'm I'm worried. I'm nervous. You know, how? what would you want to share with that individual or that listener to kind of help them in their maybe new journey of, of finding excuses to connect, if you will? Yeah, definitely. And I, I've been through that too. Like th yeah. there's a part of my life where I was also very afraid of connecting with people, like for fear of rejection or fear yeah. of being awkward or so on. Um, I learned this great tool from my um, university counselor, actually. So I went to counseling services when I was in university, and she gave me this tool called a fear ladder. And mm -hmm. so I'll describe it for listeners right now. So if you imagine a ladder and you imagine that your goal is at the top of the ladder, and then there's all these different rungs or steps to get to it. So let's say the goal is I want to build more meaningful connections with people. 
you can then break down that goal to like, what are the different steps I can take and what's the different fear rating that's associated mm. with it? Because I might tell someone's like, okay, just approach a random stranger in the street <laughs> and start a conversation. Yeah. And for someone that's not used to it, that might be like a nine or 10 on their fear ladder. Cause it's just like, yeah. what are you telling me to do? <laughs> right. So the point is like, then to reflect on like, what's the first step? on your ladder what's this the fear rating of like a one out of ten for you something that's slightly outside of your comfort zone but still feels doable mm -hmm. so it might be the case of just i don't know like making eye contact with someone as you're passing by on the street and like giving them a nod yeah or um if you're at a coffee shop and like the the barista is asking like how's your day right just responding and starting some conversation there because you already know that they want to talk or I guess they're mm -hmm. obligated to talk as <laughs> right. part of customer service, right? Sure. So you don't even need to initiate the interaction. Like they're, they're already receptive to it. And so it's just figuring out what's the first step on your fear ladder and then practicing that behavior enough until you feel confident. It's like, okay, let's go to the second step and third step and build up that confidence because everyone's going to be at a different place right now in terms of their level of like comfort, yeah. Uh, or confidence with interacting with people and that's okay like just recognize where you're at and just seeing like what's the little like the first step you can take that's outside of your comfort zone to build up that confidence so yeah i, I that's the most practical way <laughs> i could put it certainly i mean i have lots of resources or recommendations of like there's different platforms or apps mm -hmm. or games you can connect with people um that like yeah just help facilitate it in that way but it's ultimately comes back to some self-reflection as well. <laughs> Definitely. I think that that's really important. And I, I like that analogy of the kind of fear ladder. And mm -hmm. it, I mean, it gives a great visual, of course. And then just kind of knowing like your goals at the top, how, yep. how do you get to the top? You have to slowly, you know, climb that ladder yep. and it takes steps and time. But once you get there, you, you will get there. You can, you can see what's at the top of the ladder. So you just have to work towards it. So I, I really like that analogy. Yeah. Awesome. And again, it connects back to like it's social skills. It's a muscle yeah. to to exercise. And also, I guess for listeners, like if you're really enjoying this conversation, like I'd love to connect with people. So like yeah. you can, you're definitely free to reach out to me too and we could have a conversation. I love that. Yeah, you know, definitely um just our like off the recording conversations have been great connections and I've, I've always loved the energy that you have and just the conversations we have, the things we talk about. So definitely, mm -hmm. I, I would also encourage anyone listening, um, if anything in this conversation really resonated with you or you just want to connect with someone or, I mean, even maybe you want to connect with someone, but you're a little nervous. I, I think Richard mm -hmm. would be a perfect person to kind of I don't want to call it practice in the sense that like Richard is like not a real person that you want to connect with, but you <laughs> yeah, know, like just to kind of connect in like a safer environment where, Definitely. you know, it's going to be someone that's really, um, you know, just understanding and, and wanting to connect to. Yeah. So definitely reach out to Richard. Um, best place for you, would that be your Instagram if anyone wants to reach out? Yeah, I, okay. I can plug where people could reach me. Yes, you can find yeah. me on Instagram. I'm at Richard Lee Tai, R I C H A R D L E E T H A I. On Instagram, uh, I guess if there's more like professionally oriented listeners, you could also connect with me on LinkedIn at the same name. And yeah, just send me a message and I, I read those and reply. So perfect. Yeah. And I will put uh, Richard's contact and social media links, uh, podcast, all that good stuff, uh, website in the description of this episode. So mm -hmm. if you didn't catch Richard's information, just go down to the description and all that will be laid out for you there. Um, but yeah, definitely reach out to Richard and just, um, I'd that, that will be my challenge uh, for anyone listening. Reach out to Richard and try to connect with him about something that you are passionate about. So we're, we're combining my, my passion for passions and Richard's passion for connections. And let's, let's have a conversation, get to know Richard through your passions. Yeah. yeah. Literally you could just say, you could just message me as like, Hey, I listened to the zap podcast the yeah. episode and I thought this would be a great excuse to connect. So hi, Richard. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's perfect. So yes, that, that is our call to action. Anyone listening. Um, but in, in addition to that, Richard, um, I, so are you, are you currently taking on clients for your your connection coaching yes yes i okay. am 
Yeah, because uh, this is the work that I'm passionate about, like helping yeah. people to live a more connected life and making meaningful connections easier for them. Yeah. As I was saying before, it's like, it's a struggle. It can be a mm -hmm. struggle. And at the same time, it's a very fundamental human need to have connections, right? Yeah. To combat the loneliness that we, we might have in our life. So yes, uh, that information's on my website as well. So it's just like very intensive one-on-one -on -one um, coaching with people okay. um, to help them along their journey of connection. So I've developed various Perfect. tools and resources to support them with that. Okay, perfect. Yeah. So then, you know, to anyone listening, if you want to just connect with Richard for the sake of connecting, by all means, connect with him that way. If you would like to see if maybe the two of you can work together in a one-on-one -on -one setting as um, mm -hmm. your connection coach, also, I, I think that Richard would be a great resource for you. So um, as he said on his website, he has some more information on that laid out. So uh, whether it's just for leisure to connect with someone or to maybe see if you can have Richard as your own connection coach, uh, definitely reach out to him. And I think he would be a tremendous person to learn from and to connect with and, and get to know on that more meaningful level. Mm -hmm. um, you, know, you know, Richard, one of the last questions that I want to ask you is you've, you've said throughout this conversation, meaningful connections. You yeah. use the word meaningful. Right. What What is a meaningful connection or what does that look like or how do we know whether a connection that we just had with someone was or was not meaningful okay i so Brene brown also has a definition of connection yeah which i'm trying to remember at the top of my head <laughs> i feel like i should have it memorized at this point but i guess if i were to paraphrase really partially it's a it's a feeling because mm -hmm. when you're leaving an interaction with someone are you feeling drained or are you feeling energized Right. I think that's a sign of whether or not that connection has been meaningful. And is it like, do you get the feeling that, or thoughts like, I, I'd love to spend more time with this person. Or is it that like, okay, I want to limit my interactions with this person. And so I think it, it's a meaningful connection is one where you feel seen and heard and valued and you feel mutually supported as well, along with your goals. Um, one example I can provide to this, uh, recently I made this uh, social media post about how it's so strange. Like over the course of a week, I got like messages from four different people in my network of saying like, hey, Richard, I saw this opportunity and I thought of you for this. <laughs> and this included like uh, a speaking engagement opportunity and like a potential business partnership or this job posting and so on like, what what's happening right <laughs> um but what i came to realize is um this came about because i had been slowly cultivating these meaningful connections with people yeah and they're they're telling me of these opportunities not because they're trying to secretly sell me something or because i i asked them it's more so that they care about me and they they want to support me towards my dreams and same with me for them as well yeah. and so i think that also is a signifier of a meaningful connection where there's that reciprocity there rather than yeah. being one-sided or transactional of like, I'm just trying to sell something to you, that sort of thing. It's actually caring for each other in a long-term way and wanting to see each other grow. Uh, another analogy I can use as well is, and, and that's been framing my 2022, it's the analogy of planting and growing a, growing seeds. So every time you meet someone new, it's like you're planting a new seed, which still takes time to cultivate, right? Like it takes right. many interactions to build a deeper relationship with someone. But if you spend that time, you put it in the right environment, like you water it and so on, like then it can blossom into this this long-term relationship with with others. So Yeah, I yeah. love that. Yeah, I think that's fantastic. And I've always kind of been someone that talks about energy if you will so like good energy oh. negative energy positive energy and stuff like that and i feel like i've always like informally said you know when you leave a conversation when you leave an event when you leave whatever how do you feel afterwards do you feel drained do you feel yeah. energized how do you feel and i think that what you said is a, is a probably better way to articulate what i've mm -hmm. just been uh, thinking all these years and, and kind of sharing informally but you yeah. know i think that uh, that's a really really good indicator of whether a connection was meaningful how, how do you feel afterwards and mm -hmm. even if it's not a first time connection, even if it's someone that you've known all of your life, when you grab coffee with that person, when you talk to them, how, how do you feel afterwards? Um, mm -hmm. You know, do you feel drained? Do you feel enthusiastic? Do you feel, you know, 
energized, I think that that's an indicator of how that connection was. And if if you find that maybe a connection you had wasn't meaningful, yeah. that doesn't have to be like, a, oh, that's terrible. I'm never going to talk to this person ever again. Mm-hmm. You know, by no means. It, it's just kind of one of those things where we could say like, okay, you know, maybe something was off or whatever. Yeah. Kind of that introspection piece of like, you know, how can we make it become a meaningful, you know, exchange or relationship or, you know, have that value uh, conversation between two right. individuals. Yeah. I mean, on that point as well, it's like, yeah, not, not everyone's going to get along with each other. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like, and, and that's okay. That's just yeah. normal. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm reading another book right now too. It's called, we should get together. It's by Kat Velos and she's a okay. expert on like friendship. And so hmm. um, she breaks it down to these four different components of frequency, proximity, compatibility, and commitment. Okay. And these are sort of the ingredients that go into making a meaningful connection with someone. Because one is frequency. It's like, well, how frequently are you interacting? Right. And it might be the case that there are people in your life that you enjoy spending time with, but it's not like you want to spend every week with them. Sure. Right. And so just sort of having that conversation, it's like, I value our relationship, but I'm good with just like meeting once a month or like a few times every year. Right. right? And that's perfectly normal because we have different levels of relationships with like very mm-hmm. close friends and like more distant friends and just colleagues and so on. And that that's okay. <laughs> right. Um, also considering stuff of like proximity because yeah, like if you are physically close to someone, it does allow for a deeper connection if you can actually meet face to face for coffee and that sort of thing. But right. certainly deep connections can still be built digitally and like across long distances and then around like commitment and compatibility it's like do you actually share similar values or interests cuz those become the grounds to actually connect with people cuz i don't feel like i'll connect well with someone that like we have zero interest in common right <laughs> like it might be interesting like intellectually but in terms of a long term connection that might not mm-hmm. last right so right. stuff like that to consider as well yeah i think those are all good considerations and I don't know why this came to mind, but as you're kind of like talking through everything, I just thought of the idea of like food. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of like you said, or I guess we both said, you know, if you <clears throat> connect with someone and you don't find it meaningful or, or not everyone's going to get along, I think it's kind of like food that like you don't you don't know if you're going to like a food until you try it. You know, yeah. you might say like, oh, you know, it's okay or not for me, or you might find out that you love it. And I think that same with kind of having those varying degrees of, of uh, relationships, friendships that we have with people. You know, I think, and, you know, that goes with our interests and things that we have in common and proximity and and all that good stuff is like, we might have our favorite meal and then we might have like things that we, you know, Mm. we like here and there, you know? So I think it's just kind of like, it's a weird analogy comparing it to food, but that's just like what clicked in my mind. I was like, oh, food, people, connections, (laughs) it all makes sense. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I I think that the analogy you said (laughs) still still makes sense because it's yep. just we have different circles and levels of relationships with people exactly yeah definitely so uh richard as we are uh, wrapping things up um do you have any last kind of thought message words or anything that you want to share with anyone that's listening to us today yeah so the motto i live my life by is you never know how any connection can transform your life and the reason that's my motto is there's been so many times in my life where that's been the case of meeting the right person at the right time has led to all these other opportunities and doors opening. And that's centrally like why it's so important to me <clears throat> that, okay, excuse me. I've got to clear my throat. You're good. <clears throat> so centrally, I think that's why it's so important to me that people can build these meaningful connections in your life and why I want people to have the confidence to do that. Cause you just never know where meeting that one person or sending that one message can lead you. And so, yeah, I'd like to leave listeners with that message and that it's possible for you to make these connections. It can be easier than you think it is. Yeah. I love it. I think that that's a perfect way to end things today. And just a, a quick kind of like anecdotal story, just to kind of emphasize what Richard just said is um, long, long story short, I had a friend this friend and I were chatting and they randomly mentioned this individual named Rob Lawless. Uh, I'm sure a lot of you listening probably know who Rob is. He was also on one of the episodes early on. I connected with Rob. That connection led me to meeting 
someone that you've also heard on the podcast, Eric Chow. And Eric connected, the knowing Eric has connected me to Richard. Yep. And now Richard and I are connected. And, you know, it's like this one random friend that I chatted with very casually has led to this conversation that you're hearing today. Um, mm-hmm. One simple convert, one simple connection that I didn't really think would mean that much, to be honest, has turned into various podcast podcast episodes, various great relationships, and um, my connection here with Richard, I can 100% wholeheartedly say, in my mind, it has been very meaningful, and I definitely look forward to connecting with him in the future. So that's just, again, one of those examples of how you just never know what connecting with one person can bring into your life. Yes, definitely. And yes, I also thought this was a very meaningful conversation, and Zach's going to be on my podcast as well. So yes, yes. Stay tuned for that. Yes, definitely stay tuned to that. I, I'm super excited to be a part of your podcast, Richard. I, I can't wait for that. But uh, thank you so much for stopping by today and being a part of mine. It was an absolute pleasure. It's it's great to see all the work that you're doing with having and creating meaningful connections for yourself, your your community, your network, but also just for anyone out there in the world, um, kind of just pushing that idea of meaningful connections can go a long way. So it's been really cool to see. And I cannot wait to see what you continue to do and be a guest on your podcast. But for today, it's been a pleasure. Thank you very much for coming. And I'm sure I'll talk to you soon. Yeah, thank you so much. Of course. See ya.